we go. Is there anything you don't want us to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to another exciting episode of Lion City Rock, the only podcast featuring Singapore's pop music scene, especially from the 1990s. And today we're quite excited because we have a very interesting guest on tonight. Um, <laughs> this, wait, wait, let me finish. <laughs> oh, you mean Kevin, uh, not me. Uh? <laughs> okay, well, this person is one of the members of Psychosonic. And, you know, instead of instead of coming out, I'm just going to read off this little listing that was taken off a, a record. Um, Psychosonic, an all-girl band sensation, um, <laughs> caused the near riot on their first appearance in KL. They were shocked, but at the same time excited that there was such a massive turnout. More than 2,000 <laughs> homo sapiens came. When they made their grand entrance, the crowd squeezed themselves near the idols and started to storm and crowd the jam-packed stage, leaving the band little space to move about, let alone perform. There was a classic case of raging male hormones as Psychosonic received cheers and jeers, uh, bracket exclamation mark. The crowd went mystical, yeah, mystical when Psychosonic started performing. Some were stage diving, others were busy moshing. A group of pseudo-Nazis in the crowd started throwing nude and sexist jokes at them. Psychosonic was spat at, and even plastic bottles were missiled their way. I know. And the saga continues. Okay, that was taken from a, a, a release, a, a seven-inch EP release. And, uh, and of course, the person that we are talking to tonight is Jeanette from Psychosonic and Astriel. Oh, Yay! Yay. so excited! <laughs> How have you been? How have you been in these I've been good. strange times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep, keeping busy and creative so that I don't feel down. I don't feel trapped. Mm, mm. So still expressing myself creatively. Okay, well, this, this expression of creative... I think what's interesting is also I was just reading this book, uh, this one by Andy Chen and Mosman oh. Ismail. <laughs> and I think... The, I think there was this there's this section in there that um, from a forum that was done, and I think it was the first time we ever met was at this forum at Nian City where we sat down in a round oh, table oh. and basically pitched about the art scene. <laughs> 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 the whole bunch of where other people. That? I think it was it was it says here nineties. Yeah, it's the mid nineties. Yeah, and it says here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Because in that in that whole thing, well, we all talked about our musical beginnings, and uh, maybe that's where we can give you get get this thing jumping off is uh, your musical beginnings. I mean, everybody, I guess the the masses kind of knew you through Psychosonic. Was that the first band that you joined, or how did you get into music in the first place? No, I first joined. My first band was called Cherry Wax, and I was in it with Hasrul and Topet. 
um, um, yeah, and they were so kind and um, and they taught me about, you know, with the various forms of indie music and rock and whatever. I mean, my my understanding of um, indie music was very limited to, you know, charlatans and, and Stone Roses and The Cure. Uh, but, you know, they opened up a whole world to me. And um, but it was mostly a covers band and I was a singer. And I wasn't a very good singer. I mean, I'm still not a good singer now. <laughs> but, you know, Hasbro was very sweet. Like, you know, he tried to teach me how to play guitar and bass and and things like that. So that was my first introduction to performing in a band life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I played, I remember my first gig was, um, I think it was a New Year's Eve gig or maybe New Year's gig. <laughs> like there was nobody. And uh, it was at a bar called... Ding dong agogo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what what year was yeah, that? It was in the early nineties, like maybe ninety three. Okay. Yeah, early ni- Yeah, ni- the the New Year of ninety three. <laughs> Where was this? Where was this? Where was this? <laughs> this was at near Bugis Village or something, and okay. I think it was owned by Big Lee or one of these um, gay icons or something. And it was okay. fantastic. And you know, um, Joseph. Um, from Livonia was in the band as well. Oh, okay. So we're all bandmates. Yeah, it was super fun. And then um, we sang, um, uh, we were we were doing covers of uh, Iggy Pop and things like that. And Daisy Chainsaw. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. okay. It was super, super fun. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to, um, you know, that was my first band. Yeah. Mm. So, so how do you get, so how did Psychosonic come about then? So then at that time, this is, Disputed by Taufik, of course, Topet, of course, but we were going out together and then we broke up and then they found a new singer without consulting me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) It was super funny. Um, I mean, they're still my friends, but I I told this story before and Topet said, no, we never kicked you out. <laughs> you just left. <laughs> he, was, he was very afraid that I was hurt. I was like, no lie, it's very funny. It's a very funny story to tell, even if it's not true. So I don't know for some reason I left the band. <laughs> so you know, my my memory is very shaky. I mean, I mean, it's very clouded. I don't remember many things, but somehow I found myself out of the band and Lin. Who Lin Nawi, who was mm-hmm. in another band called Brunette Fuba, and um, she was, uh, and and she was the get, rhythm guitarist, and it was in a band of all boys as well, and I was in a band of all boys, and then you know we found ourselves very tired of it, and so she said to me like, hey. Do you want to be in the all girl band? I was like, yeah, man, uh, but you know. What, what am I going to play? I don't have to play anything. Can I sing? And then she's like, oh, we already have a singer. I was like, oh, drats. <laughs> <laughs> so then she was like, oh, why don't you play the bass? I'm like, I don't even know, know how to play the bass very well. I mean, even now, if you tell me like B or D or whatever, I'm like, what? Where is it? You know? So, <laughs> um, so and and she's, she's like, don't worry. I will point and you will play. I will point where the fret is. You just play. I'm like, okay, great. Let's do it. You know, and we did. And she had a drummer who was Siti and then a singer who was uh, Ayu. And then um, and then we had a backup singer as well who was um, Fauzia. Wow. And, you know, yeah. And so we had a really good time. And, um, uh, you know, that was the first time I ever played music that was um, original. Okay. And it felt really amazing because I found that I had a way to express myself 
um, with my own narrative, with the things that I wanted to say that was relatable to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, when I say I can't play the bass that well, I can't read the notes. I write my own notation, so I'm still a genius. <laughs> but my own notation is like one, two. So that means the first string, second fret. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever works. And <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then that's how I got into Psychosonic. And uh, it was quite crazy. At that time, there were there were girls playing bands, but there weren't any all-girl bands, you know? So that was really fun to be in. And it was also very scary at the same time because it was such shaky ground. We didn't know, you know, if we were amazing because we were amazing or because we were all girls, you know. Right, right. And uh, and yeah, you know, and my drummer was was is really hot and my singer was very, very hot. She's still very hot, you know. So like, are we very easy in the eyes? And, and you know what I mean? Like, and, and all these punk boys, um, were at you know coming of age, <laughs> yeah. teen, 17, 18, 19, and you were like, wow, girls on the on, on the stage, uh, and then you know, but of course, then there are these people who would be detractors, you know. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I mean, who owned a freaking tuner? We didn't own tuners. It's true. <laughs> One person would tune the guitar, then we all follow while we're on stage, plugged into the amp, yeah, right? Yeah. And people would be like, get off the stage, you can't tune. I'm like, yeah, I can't tune, but hey, don't be like that. Lah. Give chance. Lah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, it, that that kind of reaction to us was mm. very visceral. Either either you loved us or you hated us. you guys I don't know I, I really can't think of any other like female centric band at that point in time um, Obsidian Upsearch came up maybe like a month after us you know? yeah yeah. and our first demo was meant to be a two side demo one was Obsidian Upsearch then the other side was Psychosonic but it didn't work out so it was just like Psychosonic and that's why we had five songs here and then the same five songs at the back <laughs> well that works hey, don't waste don't waste yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is quite common, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I mean, uh, as Sonic, I mean, what, what were your thoughts like when you guys first came on? Were you shocked and surprised? Or were you, as the as the write-up said just now? <laughs> what was it? Mystified, uh, no. Yeah. Myster- <laughs> you, were you surprised by the mysterical? Mysterical, mysterical yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were... <laughs> well, I was... I guess... Um, you know, when we started jamming, 
rehearsing at TNT. And uh, through the little window, <laughs> we will see people peering in and just like like this through the little window. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we're, we're, people are interested. But we didn't think, and we knew we were onto something because we knew we were the first. I mean, like, wow, in Singapore, huh? better be first, huh? <laughs> so then we, were, we knew that we were onto something, but we, for, we did not know it was going to be so, the reaction was going to be so in our faces. So... Um, visceral. It was really, I think there's no other word than visceral because the first gig we ever played properly was at Substation. And I mean, you know, to play at Substation at prime time, like 8 p.m., mm. is like, wow, super lucky, right? So then, and, and being our first gig as well, and people were, I, they were first of all sitting down, and my mom and my my stepdad came, and they were like, "Yeah, my daughter's playing," you know. <laughs> and people, when we strummed our first chord, people like rushed up in a swell and started like just crazy, like moshing or slam dancing, as they call it. Mm. And um, you know, and it was all just madness, and people started coming up onto stage, taking photos with us. And you know, back then there's no concept of personal space, right? Like, what is the personal space? What is yeah, space? Yeah. Yeah, right. For social distancing. Yeah, I want to take photo with you. I'm next to you, and you you know, yeah. while you're playing. Yeah. And I'm yeah. playing, yeah. and people standing behind, and they're like, "Hey, look up, look up here, and smile, and then click, right?" And and it was just so mad. And my mom had to scramble away, and people were standing on cars outside of the substation. Mm, and yeah, I, remember. I remember, like, there was one single tree. There was one tree in the middle of <laughs> the garden. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And some, and there were people who climbed up on it and it fell over, or like a branch fell down, and it was just insane. And we just thought, like, wow, this is like we are like we we are having the same getting the same reaction, or even bigger than other bands that are playing at the you know at that time. And it was just like the energy was was crazy. But, you know, at that time, because it was the first gig, the, the, um, the bad reaction wasn't... Uh, <laughs> they had the courtesy to not give us the bad reaction yet. <laughs> it was until, like, a few gigs later that people... They let you, they let you settle in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They cheat our feelings first, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes. Um, and then in some other gigs, people would, before, like I said, you know, while we were tuning, like, get off the stage, girls can't play. Yeah, I'm like, hey... Yeah. You know, punks cannot play what, right? Yeah, so what? 
<laughs> but you dare to be here not you dare to be here or not <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> uh, but it was yeah and then and and and, and on the other hand there will always be people who are like yeah psychosonic or like chant for us and right you know, yeah so it's like mm, okay just <laughs> we just take the rough with the smooth or the smooth with the rough <laughs> Okay. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. In terms of the like, you know, putting, making the music, putting it together. What was the process like for for the band? Um, and because that was my first kind of like proper introduction to um, creatively expressing myself, mm. I didn't write any songs until mm. um, one. I wrote one song in Psychosonic, and I immensely regret that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's called I Don't Give a Damn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. So I wrote it with Falzia. We were in my house. We were like, yeah, Lin is always writing the songs. Actually, Lin is a genius at writing pop punk songs, you know, very amazing three chord songs um, um, and three minute songs or even two minutes sometimes. <laughs> um, but we were like, yeah, we also can do it, you know. So, yeah, so we wrote I Don't Give a Damn. And so um, that was my first introduction to ever writing anything. And I didn't know if it was great or not. And then I remember bringing it to the studio. And we were, I was, Fauzia and I were like, hey, girls, we wrote a song. Then <laughs> Lynn was like, Ele, you're right. So <laughs> like, damn it. And then we played it and she was like, yeah, okay, 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 okay. We were like, wow, thankfully, pass. <laughs> Was it recorded at TNT or? It was recorded at TNT, yes, it was. Um, and then um, after that, I mean, with Estriel, of course, then it become, became more democratic. Like, you know, all the melodies I would write. <laughs> uh, bass, you know, you know, whatever. I just play on top of the guitar and stuff like that. But yeah, in, in, in Estriel, it's always together. We rarely ever write a song alone. Yeah, so all my collaborative, all my all my creative processes have been collaborative, um, but except for um, my um, textile and fiber arts, which mm-hmm. I will speak about later. Okay, okay. I mean, like, yeah, so you guys recorded a five-track EP. Um, that was the first thing. And then, but the, I mean, the other songs, like, I Don't Give a Damn and I'm Gonna, I'm gonna Crash, is it? I'm Gonna Crash, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those were also those were on some other compilations as well. Yeah, yeah back I mean, then compilations were huge, right? <laughs> mm, mm. That's what. Yeah, we say. went to Malaysia to to record that. I think. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Was, okay. Yeah. 
And then, so what's that like? I mean, like, so you guys were playing here in Singapore, you guys were playing in KL as well. Um, what was there, was the reactions or how did you feel about, you know, going over there? Because I think I mean, even at that point in time, not many people actually even just went across the border to perform. Yeah. So, and, yeah, it's very limited. Yeah, exactly. And also it was a very tight-knit community, Singapore and mm. Malaysian um, punk scene and hardcore scene. Um, but there were uh, cultural exchanges. Like yeah. <laughs> but not many, yeah. <laughs> but mostly there would be punk and hardcore bands. And so we were the first and we went there and it was that first gig that we played. And at that time it was... Um, and it was in a hall. I forget what the name is, a Chinese like badminton hall or something. And okay. um, it was, I think the crowd was like 2,000 or 1,000. And for that time for Singapore, that was like, wow, so yeah. many people. <laughs> we don't even have that many yeah. people in Singapore <laughs> in yeah. the scene. <laughs> so it was amazing. <laughs> and when we got in, we were like, wow, so many people came to see us. That's, that's unbelievable. And then, of course, when we got up, before we started playing, there were the Nazi punks that I think are still very um, active in Malaysia. So Nazi punks were all lined up in the front, but there were like five or six of them or something like this. And they were like, eh, 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 you know, and we're like, what? who are these people? And then, you know, find out that they are Nazi punks. We're like, wow, I, I cannot put this two together, Nazi and punk, but yeah, Malaysia, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, and they were like throwing mineral water bottles at us. We're like, hey, what? People at the back were all screaming. We're like, yay, you know, cheering us on before we started. Yeah. This bunch of like yahoos, just like, eh, 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 and then like trying to spit at us. But of course, the stage was huge, so the spit didn't reach. <laughs> It's oh, so gross. <laughs> uh, I know, like, no, it, uh, maybe. Oh. So then, you know, Lynn, Lynn is a skin, was a skinhead girl and she like, don't care, you know, don't care what. And she wanted to take her micro, microphone stand to go down and like, just slam. And like, I was like, hey, relax, don't, don't, you know, we are in Malaysia, not in Singapore. I mean, like, you know, but we, we're not where yeah. we, we know um what the, yeah. the rules are and um and it, but it's so chaotic i don't think it lasted more than a few minutes um and then people at the back were booing them because they wanted us to start and then when we did begin um after about 15 minutes we had to go backstage or something like this and then uh, the organizers and the crowd were telling these Nazi punks to like just like stuff it lah, you know. So then we managed to come back out, and then we played, and it was amazing, and the reception was great. And we were like, "Wow, Malaysia is the best." And then when we had to leave, we had to be escorted out. I mean, I've never been escorted. I know, escorted, and because it was so tight, people were like, "Yeah." And then, but unfortunately, you know, marred by the um, an incident, I was we were getting into the lift and somebody groped my bum, and oh, I yeah. was incensed. I was like, "Who the fuck? Who is that?" And then, like, I just grabbed whoever guy who looked most like uh, sheepish, like, "Oh, it was me," you know, kind of face. So then, you know, there was almost kind of like a fight start, um, almost starting. Then, you know, it kind of like settled down. But 
it was quite <laughs> like for a first just a, in a span of like two hours max so many things happening but it was crazy yeah but we made many good friends who are still our friends right now you know um, from Malaysia and um, yeah I think you know we went back there to play several times and also at one point we went to KL and we went all the way but somebody had reported us for one not having the license to play um. Yeah, and then two, being haram. I, at that time, I'd never heard the word haram before. I was like, what is haram? And then my friends were like, never mind, la, we made it already. We totally made it. We have been called haram. <laughs> we totally <laughs> yeah, are not haram, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, yeah. it, it's such a big deal of about us coming that somebody had to report us. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, wow. okay, la, you know? So yeah. we just went there, watched the other bands play and like hung out with our friends. So what? So how, how do you get from Psychosonic? to Astral then? And, and what happened in between? I would say IRC happened. IRC. <laughs> oh, okay. IRC. These channels, yeah, I know. Yeah. And then there was like Sweet Channel. There was, for some reason, Astral Channel or so. I don't know who the hell set it up. Probably Mohammed or William <laughs> <laughs> set up their own channel. And then there was... Um, I, there was some local scene um, chat as well. I forget what the name was. And uh, um, some, yeah, some emo chat. <laughs> and um, so then I think um, Melissa um, left Astriel. And um, so then... Melissa we, was the former... Yeah, yeah, first was Bajit. Yeah. And then after that was Melissa. And then that's me, yeah. So then Melissa left, um, and then will uh, no. Uh, then Muhammad said like, "Hey, you know, you wanna come and join?" I was like, "Yeah, of course," because my first love was always uh, dream pop shoegaze. Mm -hmm. so I was like, "Yes," but my musical training training uh, is punk. So when I first punk, joined. Yeah. Oh my God, William was William and Muhammad were like, "Hey, don't sing so forcefully, Karen." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> you know, so I had to kind of recalibrate myself. Yeah. So it be surreal. Yeah, like yeah. voice is supposed to float above the music, yeah. soft, and like, "Hey, wah," you know. So I had to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But wow, wow, very difficult this one. <laughs> so yeah, but I managed to, uh, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, so with Astral, I mean, of course, you guys, uh, you, uh, with you and on lead as well, you guys uh, did this uh, album, mm. Friends of the Same Dead Star, right? So what was, I mean, was, was it easier for you? Did, you? did you find it a lot easier to, to do recordings, to do shows and stuff like that? Um, I think it was easier um, because we were also older. <laughs> if we yeah and you know i think well the fragments happen a lot later mm. i don't even remember like maybe 2004 right. my memory is yeah i don't know i will have to figure out the year is it 2004 no i don't even know I think. three yeah Something. but psychosonic is like 94 right but in between i was jamming a lot with Astrial. I mean, when I first joined, I was very lucky because uh, poor Melissa, she left um, right after they record, finished recording um, Ouija Blush. Right, right. And I got to reap the rewards. We played at Tower Records. Right, okay. Right? Yeah, and like my face was on that. You know the styrofoam like yeah. poster? Yes, yes, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, my face was there or like I was perform- or something like I yeah, it was like quite quite amazing because you know that that center part where it's like a yeah. balcony where they play. Yeah. Yes, and yes. And there were a lot of people. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So like in between that time, 97 to 2000, it was almost like Quite, quite, quite a few years, almost eight years or whatever before we made another album, um, or maybe 10 years, I don't know. <laughs> and um, but in between that, you know, we would uh, jam a lot. And, and those were perhaps like the golden years of um, the scene, no? Like there were a lot of um, gigs that um, the kids would organize. There was Baby, it's the beginning of beginning, the start right. of Baby. There were festivals, um, um, my then partner and I, um, Nate, we made um, our own music festival called Tesseract. It was a two-day music festival at mm. um, um, Substation. It was soundscape and live visuals. Um, we also ran our own record label. And I, I think the spirit of if there's no gigs or if there are no uh, materials, we make our own, mm. you know, that, that spirit was very prevalent at that time from the time when I was a punkler, you know. Um, so... Until until the time we made our own album, Fragments, um, of the same Dead Star, it was that kind of same spirit. It never went down or it never went up or anything. It was just like that just dense, um, intense um, uh, DIY spirit. Um, I think we we were more in the loop of things. We knew how to like try to get funds, you know, try to schmooze a bit, and <laughs> and there were even like small little clubs that you could play at, right? So um, I think um, it was easier because we were older and knew how to schmooze. But the spirit of DIY was still as intense as ever, and I, I feel so lucky to have been part of that time. You know where you could say like, "Hey, let's do a music festival," <laughs> and it's like, "Okay." <laughs> mm, that's true. That's so, true. so when did the fanzine happen? The fanzine happened when uh, I was about sixteen, seventeen. So I had started it. I started going out with um, this guy called Vincent, and he was like a crusty punk, like really crusty, like the jeans were like crap type, no? <laughs> where like, <laughs> leather jackets with spikes and like hair like egg and shampoo you know just to mm-hmm. and he had um uh, a narco punk zine and i was like wow you mean publish i thought publish you have to have like a factory a printing <laughs> and he was like no man let's do this and we did and it was amazing type on the typewriter okay like, that, like, like oh no type wrongly shit <laughs> t-packs this shit right and then we 
put out a few issues and then we broke up. Then I made my own, which was Cherry Bomb Press. And at that time, I was really in the thick of um, Riot Girl movement because mm-hmm. it really, really, really spoke to us. And um, it's it's the amplifying of uh, female voices in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, you know, in my um, uh, artistic pursuits <laughs> in um, art, it is also amplifying the voices of, um, of women and, and their craft. Um, I just feel sometimes very tired that the narratives are always uh, male-led, especially mm-hmm. in the local scene. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I heard about this movie. Yeah. yeah, okay, yes, I know. <laughs> but what about the women or, you know, uh, the women who propped up the scene too? There were organizers, you know, yeah. there were zines. There were a lot, yeah. you know, people made distros. And, yeah. um, you know, there were um, girls who made all-girl gigs, um, and they came together. Where are their stories? You know, where are they now? Why are you not talking about them? You know, your glory days. That story has been told so many times. I'm fucking tired of it. That we all know. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, and a scene is not about this one band that wow was that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. overseas band that came. Over. Yeah, I'm just like whatever, man. It's yeah. about a network of people, and it's not just the women's voices, right? Then mm. there are these people who organize gigs, who are the archivists. You know, yeah. I always now these days I want I always want to talk about my friend Faisal, who has many many like zines he collects like um southeast asian regional zines and flyers and stuff like that um and i call him a cultural archivist you know because that's what he is you know and he's like no la never la i'm just a hoarder i'm like no you're not you know (laughs) you are the one who is who are keeping these things he even has zines that i don't that i made that i don't even have anymore and like advertisements that i made in distros that i don't even remember i was like yeah that's actually me that's my handwriting and i yeah it looks like i would have done that like this you know he he has all these things and people like this need to be talked about you know or people like amir right you know keep Mm. on keep these people like amir and shaifu they keep on doing their punk gigs and they are not right in the forefront right they let other people take center stage but they need to be heard as well they need to be um their voices need to be you know amplified so yeah, and for women, there's so many people, right? There's Linda, of course, and you know, there's Pauline Chong, uh, and there's Neng Mohammed, right? The, they're the women of Obstacle Upsearch, um, Blood Eye Rejects, um, and there's so many. So why are we not talking about them and where are they? But um, I really feel so lucky to have come from that time and people are like oh you know and then you know um, it was so sad that we um, slam dancing was banned Um, (laughs) and like ridiculous right and oh um, and then that caused the government to kind of enforce this two thousand dollar licensing yeah the licensing thing and I said but I always feel like we were so lucky to have come through this time where it's so tumultuous that we we come through it and we were resourceful and we still made it happen no matter what and we have this sheen about us you know that that we we made it work (laughs) and and it's not to glorify or anything but Mm. it's just to say like it was not all that bad it was really fun to to have Mm. have have done that you know so yeah and and we were forced to come to to meet each other to buy things from each other to forced to make (laughs) 
market, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, well, I want to buy your demo. I come down and meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and it was not that easy. And um, so I, I do treasure those times. Yeah. So for me, I'm very much an outsider observer. But what I did realize was that uh, you know, it's a like the nineties for the Singapore music scene is like a is a genuine grassroots youth culture, right? With absolutely no intervention from the government whatsoever, huh. right? And it just sprang up and it grew and, and that's that's the it was almost miraculous like, That's yeah. the way I look at it. So that's why it needs to be talked about. It needs to be analyzed. It needs to be discussed. It needs to yeah. be celebrated. Needs to be celebrated. So that's what this is about, like, actually. So yeah. thank, thanks for that. Like, and thanks I, for putting this podcast together. <laughs> <It's exciting. laughs> I, think, I think we need to. Like, it's about time. Like. Yeah. And I also don't want to be like, oh, you know, those glory days. Because those glory days type people are the mm-hmm. ones who are always talking about the same stories over and over yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. You know? And yes. it's very tiring. I think it's it's great to hear about the struggles from all angles right mm. and and um and um that is what kind of fuels the growth and also the people these like nowadays are also, like they are so resourceful and their level of music production is like uh, amazing oh yeah of course, of course yeah and there's this um um young woman called shy who is like yes. <laughs> and she's a student at my school so mm. when i played um when astro played like last year, um, this uh, rock and indie fest at La Salle, and everybody had to wear masks, right? So she was music engineer. Yeah, for, I think because they were doing like a kind of a school exercise, um, the students are taking charge of the sound and setup and whatever. And I saw her, I was like, oh, she looks very familiar. And I was already a fan. Then I didn't realize that she was in charge of my set. Then later she had to kind of like engineer the sound um, um, post-production for, for it, right? Um, before they released the footage. Then I was like, wow, she emailed me from an email address. I was like, wow, I'm a fan. <laughs> 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 but it's so yeah it's so um it's so you know they are coming together in their own ways that we're not familiar with um which i could never do yeah okay well maybe maybe let's talk about i mean you mentioned uh your music history maybe you could talk about mm. a little bit about yep. your other artistic endeavors mm. um yeah so how i mean and, and also as an educator as well yeah um how do you how do you get from how do you go from playing punk in a punk band to teaching people. <laughs> you know, this, playing in a punk band has taught me so much. Being in a punk scene has taught me so much. Like for me, it has always been if other people can do it, so can I. Okay. Not not to engineer a rocket lab. <laughs> Okay. common things common things like being together you know and, and that's why is this this mentality that has stay with me for so long that has become my kind of like roadmap to doing things that you know allowed me the option to start a fashion label I'm not trained in fashion but like yeah you know for me it's like yeah you design something you go to the seamstress and then get it made make copies of it and then sell it of course it's not that simple you know and of course as a fashion designer you go through the um you know the foundations, the um, the production methods, and extra and etc. Et, et and I'm not discounting that, but you know, in in the um, early two thousands, 
in my head, it yeah. was just like this. If other people can start out a fashion label, I also can. <laughs> and and it, it was very difficult and I learned a lot and we were not the best, like best fashion label, but we did have a cult following and I was so thankful that I had that chance because, or, or I did dare to do that, but it was because of that. And I was already teaching at that time, um, halfway through. And um, so then halfway through the fashion labels, um, um, time period then my boss said like hey you have a fashion label you know why don't you come into my department which is fashion to teach fashion image right and that's how I'm now teaching fashion image I'm teaching advertising I'm trained as a web designer as a graphic designer um, yeah but because I've had um, a foot in the fashion industry I was um, given this chance to to step into the fashion department, and I've been here ever since. You know, and wait, wait, wait. what was the what's the label called? Frufru and Tiger Lily. It was called Frufru okay. and Tiger Lily. Frufru and Tiger Lily. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. So then you know, so I I feel like having been in the punk scene has opened up so many things for me, um, because it taught me the main thing, the most basic thing. If other people can do it, so can you. Like, oh, I don't have play bass. Now my point to you, you play. <laughs> okay, I play. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> or like you know. Um, and now, um, um, uh, I, I a few years ago, I started um, doing art, right? And um, I'm not trained as an artist. And of course, always like, well, fraught with self-doubt. Like, am I an artist or not? I dare not call myself that. But it's just like, I never like just do, <laughs> just, just try it out and see how. <laughs> yeah, so I really have to, I feel so um, grateful to the people who introduced me to the first person in the punk scene um, or the, in the underground scene because of all the things that it has afforded me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, of course, recently you also had your, uh, you had your exhibition mm. um, for your textile, de uh, textile design. Textile art. Yeah. Textile art. Yeah. Is this, I mean, I, I, you, because you're, you're posting all those things on, on socials and stuff like that, right? So, I mean, this is obviously, uh, um, like, what was that like having your own, like, it was a solo exhibition? Okay, so I had um, um, my first um, textile art exhibition was um, together with my research partner, Hazel, who also works with me at LaSalle. She's in the fine art department. So she's the real artist, right? So it was held at uh, Ultra Super New Gallery. So it's a two-woman show. So in our research, we call which we call aesthetics of care, um, there are several stages. So one of the stages was to hold a two-woman show and then a group show. So in that group show, in between a group show, I had a solo art show at um, Telo Ayer Arts Club. And then later this um, at Esplanade recently, which just ended in um, August, um, the um, group show, and it was all uh, an all-woman show. And um, I just felt like, again, so lucky to show at Esplanade. And Esplanade is such an important place for me because I, I did, at, with Estriel, I've done so many babies there. I think we played like five or six babies. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember how many. You only had like six, I think. Is it? Nah, <laughs> I think we played I'm all kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Those lot, they have like 20, they're 20 years old already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't scare me. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, um, in, in, this, in 
baby is like third or fourth year or something. I was part of the organizing committee as well. Mm. So it was so nice to come back to Esplanade as an artist this time, you know, and not as a musician. But yeah, so uh, sorry, what's your question again? Ah? I, don't I want know. you to talk about your exhibitions. Oh, yeah, my exhibition, yeah. So <laughs> when I was saying earlier that, you know, in, in my work, um, in music, um, as a riot girl through my zines, and even now in my textile art um, and contemporary art, I the the one of the um, objectives is to amplify the voices of um, you know the unseen or the unheard. And in my research together with Hazel, um, we are interested in domestic crafts. So the the techniques or the approaches that we use are, are domestic. Crafts. So they would be, you know, latch hooking, um, um, crochet, macrame, or um, yarn spinning. I spin my own yarn, so I make my own yarn. Um, and then um, um, punch needling, embroidery, origami. Um, so these are crafts that are traditionally um, uh, done by women for to beautify the home, you know. And, you know, your mom or your grandmother would make floor rugs and they'll be stepped on right they would be unseen they would be under like a um, um, doily under a cup you know they were meant to be objects of care um, made steep with intent and love but always unseen right because like oh yeah mom made that and it's just there right so we wanted to take these techniques um, and put them um, in a, a contemporary art setting right and um, and through the lens of contemporary art. So again, it's about women. And I think my kind of um, uh, direction is always, or, or what I'm interested in is always about lifting um, women and their voices. Um, however small uh, my ways are, <laughs> that is. And so, yeah, we wanted to show for this time at Esplanade with other women artists who use the same um, techniques as well. Yeah, but you know, with my punk um, um, kind of—I mean, being a punk is something that will always, um, I will always be, I will always be like, you know. So I think it really affects my teaching as well because I always think my students should be resourceful, right? Mm. I think being a punk is all about being resourceful. Right? Yeah. How do you save that stamp <laughs> that you sent across to your to somebody to your pen pal, your punk pen pal, and then get it back so that you can save this like dollar fifty? You know what I mean? Put glue over it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they send back, and then you water it down. Right? Yeah. Or like. Wow. Right. It, it, it uh. really is a life skill that is super important, and so. It's also problem solving, right? So these yes, things yes. kind of like cascade down yeah. to my teaching too. And yeah. and yeah, and fashion is about, you know, you never work alone either in fashion um, and in many areas and in many industries. So it's never a silo um, kind of like world. Um, and, and all in my, all my, most of my creative uh, journeys, they're all collaborative, except for um, my textile art um, or fiber arts. It's, it's, it was quite daunting when I first started it, started on it because I'm alone. I'm never alone. And it's so quiet. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. I have no like 10,000 petals in front of me or like you know, Mohammed's feedback, 
coming from his mm. amplifier, right? Mm. And nobody to kind of like bounce ideas off. And so for once in my life, I really had to kind of um, um, kind of be alone and to, and to trust myself. Mm. Yeah. And um, not to boss people around. <laughs> I'm very bossy, like, you know, in Australia. <laughs> that that riff, and I'm sorry, we're not going to play it. <laughs> My first so, mate. So another aspect, okay, so like also you're, you're also a DJ. Right? Oh, yeah. So, so like one thing I realized, like listening to you talk about all these various things that you do, um, because I find that like a lot of times you're doing something new, hmm. right? Or you're coming to something that's new. So what is the process that you have in order to, you know, take in something that's new and, and make it your own? Mm, I think um, make it my own. I don't know. It's maybe because I consume so many different various forms of art, you know, uh, from punk to electronic music to movies and, you know, horror movies mm. to romantic. <laughs> so that, so my visual vocabulary is quite a lot. And um, over time, it has become quite specific and I, kind of know um, also through teaching you exercise that muscle in editing and art direction so you know I when I start my creative process like for example if um, with my um, textile art um, I started learning how to do decorative wall hangings first just weaving and then you know and I knew that that wasn't going to be enough for me and that was that was not what I wanted to do and I wanted to um, create kind of like um, um, design or art objects they would be objects yeah so I would combine techniques and materials from my different various backgrounds like design for me um, if I were to um, uh, assign an, uh, a material to be very designed, it would be acrylic. And that's why acrylic is one of the materials that I use, right? And um, and yeah, so these are the kind of like things that I pluck out of my creative consciousness and put together. And um, it's just very innate, I guess. It's like when you're writing a song and you know just something is not right, like, you know, because you have exercised that muscle for so long and you know you can edit and say like, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I never plan anything. I hate planning. Don't let my students know this. <laughs> you know, I don't sit down and draw and like, ah, in shape, you know. I have the materials. I have my acrylic shapes in various sizes and in different geometric shapes in variety. And then I have my pieces and my acrylic. I put them together almost like in a tray and I go, ah, it's like that. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, or sometimes I make my um, textile piece and then it, I could like like this, like this, and then I put it together with whatever acrylic pieces I have, and then I go, yes, that's it. <laughs> so it's not it's not planned at all, um, mm. but the idea behind it will be planned, like um, mm -hmm. or or sometimes even um, um, sometimes like, okay, like for my latest um, work, which is a shoji screen, um, um, it's a door, uh, uh, sorry, a room screen. Um, um, it's a door, uh, uh, sorry, a room screen. Um, I was doing it while it was in circuit breaker phase one. And so I had all of these yarn, like duffel bags from Ikea, like massive ones back in my home because I couldn't get to the studio, right? And um, before lockdown, 
I was like, ah, I ran to the studio, take so many things and came back with like all these, like three or four duffel bags. And then they, I would, I had to work in, um, on my living room, in my living room dining table. And my house is very, very small. So, and um, because the exhibition would be in like a year <laughs> and I feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do this now because if not, I wouldn't finish it. Like, the, the idea of phase one is so strange because we were confined in this space. We were not allowed out. And all the roles that we played in our lives, all the different various roles, like being a dad la, or whatever. For me, it was being a mom, an educator. I had to teach online, you know, um, being a wife, uh, being a home, uh, you know, like a um, homeowner, being a pet mom. All of that collapsed into that single time and space. And on my dining table, I would teach there. I would eat there. I would... Uh, do my art there and so I really needed and I felt I needed to kind of like separate things and then the idea of the piece that I was working on came to me I already started on it I knew I would be working on something big but I didn't know that um, until a while later that it would be a, a room divider you know because I wanted to separate the private right. the personal mm. and the public and you know so sometimes things come to me that way sometimes the idea or the shape is kind yeah. of vague and then I put it together and that's that um, yeah so it's, it's just like a crazy <laughs> I don't I don't even know what's happening in my head sometimes as, as the spirit. <laughs> I'm always very excited I'm always very excited about things it's like, yes, yes, yes. It's almost... Mm. Good, mm. La, restlessness is good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, don't, um, what would you say then is, um, you know, the biggest lesson you've learned in all these years? Mm, I think the biggest lesson and the best lesson I've learned is to not hesitate. Just, yeah. Okay. Because once... Mm. And, you know, we are always um, doubting ourselves like, ah... Oh, I want to do, I don't want to do, you know, and then we just let the chance go. Mm. I mean, like, how bad is it going to be? You know what I yep. mean? It's, it's always not going to be that bad. And somebody told me once, like, okay, you know, there's something bad happened. And then when you look back on it, it's not going to be yep. that bad. And it's true, mm. right? And so that's yep. what uh, has stayed with me. And um, I always just say, okay, can mm. just try. <laughs> then sometimes it's very bad. Then like, mm. uh, never mind, like, just smile, just smile. <laughs> <laughs> right yes, you know what i mean just like yeah calm your absolutely, agree. It, right? absolutely and, agree. Yeah. yeah and and then you know i mean if people want to kind of like shit all over yeah. that bad thing then okay yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true that's true <laughs> yeah so, so what would be what would be i guess the the, the highlight the best thing or, or the worst thing about <laughs> the worst thing is that I I think the worst thing about being Jeanette is that I want to do so many things. I want to watch all of the TV shows, you know. I want to read all of the crazy, stupid articles. I want to see all the memes. I want to know everything. But I have, I have no time. I'm very tired. Or like, oh. or sometimes I feel guilty for not doing things. And I, I don't think that's a good thing, you know. Like, if I'm watching TV, then like, hey, there's something just uncomfortable that, I feel in my body that I should not be watching TV, you know? And that's very bad because I want to kind of like just veg out sometimes, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, so so what I do is like, oh, if I'm doing my latch hook, now I'm watching Netflix at the same time. So it's very rare that I'm watching TV and not doing anything. And so I may be watching TV and then spinning yarn, right? So I don't think it's a good thing. <laughs> you're, just, you're just a regular energizer bunny. Yeah, I'm very capable of wanting to do everything on. at the same time. Yeah. yeah, so that's not, yeah, I just wish that I could just be, um, I know how to compartmentalize very well. And, it's a, it's a little bit of FOMO, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. <laughs> I should be doing something else. I should be doing something important or I should be doing... Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a bit of FOMO, yeah, anxiety. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, you know, it's anxiety. Yeah. And, and people ask me, oh, do you do you have anxiety? But not in... I I don't know if... Or, or people ask me, do you um, suffer from stress? Mm. Maybe I don't know, but perhaps that is stress, right? Like. Yeah. You know, you don't know how to fully relax. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's important to be able to relax. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not a, I think now people are no, uh, realizing that it's not a glamorous thing to like, wow, always be busy and doing things, no. right? Because yeah, it's yeah. terrible. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's terrible. No, no, no. Like now that mental health and all uh, such think, yeah, on front yeah. um, of conversations. But I learned from from like I make and I learn at the same time, um, you know, and that's yes. how it is. I, I didn't go to school for music. I, I, did you all go to school for music? No, right? No. Yeah. And um, I, I learned from reading all those old sing-along books. <laughs> the Black and White ones, like right? Yeah, yeah. The Jota book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look at the chord charts at the beginning yeah, of the front. You know how to read the chord charts. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, I but, and I teach music now. Oh, really? So amazing. <laughs> yeah. But that's but but how it we learn through just doing was so much more exciting, right? So much more fun. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. for us, yeah. Far, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe for us. Yeah, yeah. For us, for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I always tell my students the most important lesson is to learn how to learn. Yeah. Right. Learn how to learn the way that you learn, I think. Yes. You know, because there's so many types of learners. Yes. Yeah. They're ones who have to keep looking at how somebody else does it mm. and then they try it. And it's not a bad way. It's just how different people learn. And I think yeah. I didn't do very well in secondary school because that was a lot of the learning was rote um, mm. in primary school as well. And copy other people's work. <laughs> <laughs> And like, you know, talking down at you and mm. like, you know, that's not, it wasn't, yeah, the way that me and I think many people learned. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's why when I felt like I came to love learning was when I went to La Salle for my diploma. Okay. I was like, wow, you know, this is how um, amazing. And that was when I decided or oh, I wanted to become a lecturer oh, because okay. I enjoyed learning. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I didn't do very well or so, but I enjoyed learning, you know what I mean? <laughs> the point is. The point is. We're doing well now. Do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one more, one more thing. Because the thing that I was reading off uh, earlier, it, it it apparently comes from this uh, vinyl, see-through vinyl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's from Pfizer. So he put oh, the okay, blade okay. cuts out. He got it from somewhere. He didn't write it. He didn't write that paragraph. I don't know where he... So he's an archivist. So he right. made this... Um, um, our EP into mm. lace cuts for archival purposes. Oh, yeah, right, so he right, only right. made a few and he gave me some and uh, I mean, it's just amazing. So is uh, I mean, I don't know what's the difference between lace cut and vinyl and, but he says it's better quality and stuff like that, you know. So he only made a few out of his own pocket. And oh, he, yeah, wow. so... So that's quite um, quite something. Yeah, so that's Faisal. He's done quite a few um, of these, uh, of the bands that he finds, like, you know, he's interested in. and, and oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I was telling, I was just uh, telling Kevin, I, said, I, I like the packaging. It's very, it's very mm-hmm. nicely, nicely yeah. put together. You know, yeah. it, it looks great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had no hand in it. I mean, I'm a designer okay. and I'm like, I want to do it. Then he's like, no, no, no. This one is just for archival purposes only. So <laughs> no, he just did it. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> it looks very big old. Uh, yeah, exactly. It right? looks very fancy. Yeah. It, looks like it, it looks like they just yeah. put a fancy and then the record together and then just came out this final. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, Thank you so much, uh, Jeanette, for taking time out. I know it's late and stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. thanks for having so me. And, you, um, you know, always I'm in awe of you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and uh, so nice to do this, uh, <laughs> that you're, you guys are doing this podcast. I will be an avid follower. Yay. Okay, our first <laughs> subscriber. Yay. <laughs> you only have four others. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much again. <laughs> have a good thank night. You. Have a good weekend. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. And that's another episode of Line City Rock, boys and girls. And, uh, you know, if you know what to do. As usual, like, subscribe, uh, you know, on all the different social media platforms. Right? And get the word out. Yeah, share, yeah. share, share as much as you can. Let everyone in the world know that, you know, Line City Rock podcast is bloody indispensable. Right? <laughs> you, need right. It, you, you need it in your life, right? But, you know, until then... Right, uh, you know, be safe, play safe, uh, stay safe, and please don't do drugs. All right. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Ciao. Bye.